Now, what are you uh, experiencing on your end? Uh, for the last two or three hours, I've been getting hit five at a time from different military bases in the States and Department of Defense, and we'll have the readouts on who's doing it. Yeah, and I'm not in the business of uh, getting melodramatic, mm -hmm. but, you know, and we thought something occurred once upon a time. Mm -hmm. You were on the last time around. Yes. Uh, 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 this is strange. So I'm a little bit, uh, <coughs> shall we say, uh, <coughs> off balance. Mm -hmm. But this is the grassy knoll. This is May 16th. This is this. And we have with us Alan Watts. We have a lot of people out there listening, so bear with us if you can as far as uh, what's going on here audio-wise. But it's almost like it's uh, <laughs> out of my control. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, all right. I think we're okay now. All right. My wife's going to tell me what's shaking, but uh, I'll tell you. Uh, Life 365 has been weird, Alan. Mm -hmm. I found a couple of emails, people saying they got a problem. I can understand why, because I tried myself, and it was a little, little uh, slow, to say the least. Yes. But, um, I mean, we're red hot here, and I have all, all the volumes. Just, there shouldn't be anything coming out across. Mm -hmm. So that'll make things interesting. Uh, in the meantime, we, we're, we welcome you back. We've got, um, we've got a lot of listeners out there, and we have some questions for you, uh, which we uh, want to oppose to you. Uh, things that people have wanted to know about, uh, the last, from the last time you were on. But I have to ask you something. This is the best. Mm -hmm. They just released new video of, Supposed Flight 77 hitting the Pentagon. Now, you fully believe a 757 hit the Pentagon, don't you? Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you talk a lot. You speak to psychological ops on people around the world for, for over, you know, a century. Uh -huh. We know that it goes on. But, Alan, this one i got to tell you. I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm saying, has it gotten this base? I'm looking at this new video. It's the same damn thing. Uh-huh. I only, but this time they run it three times. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? What? And it says, you know, it says, will this put an end to conspiracy theories? And the only thing that tells me is, they're running scared of the fact that people know nothing happened there. Uh -huh. Well, something happened there, but it didn't involve like Flight 77. Am I right or wrong? Well, that would be it. Uh, yeah, that's right. This is too much evidence to... Uh, as far as wreckage goes, etc. Yeah. 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 So I mean, we're seeing the same thing again, and I'm saying to myself, "Are you serious? Mm -hmm. I mean, show me something different." Mm -hmm. it, it's the same thing. I mean, this is this is just pathetic. Mm -hmm. Hey, all right. Be that as it may. Listen, we're really glad that, you, that you're with us, and uh, despite all that takes place, uh, would you mind coming back on, to say Thursday the 25th? Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Give me something to look forward to. Hello, everybody. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, listen, we have a, a couple of questions. Do you mind fielding? Sure, on you go. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to talk to you about Tavistock and the Beatles because I I took a look into a conspiracy hierarchy because I knew that Coleman had spoken to it. Mm -hmm. And do uh, you know what he said? I, I know a little bit of what he said. Uh, I know that he uh, also found out that the, the rights, the copyrights to the songs uh, had been owned by Adorno. All right, yeah, and I, I told you I knew he had said something, and then uh, I took a look and, uh, yeah, corroborate. So it'll be interesting at the end, but let's get to the business first because people have been good enough to ask these questions, and I, I would like you to respond to them. First of all, we have uh, someone that writes, um, uh, the next time you interview Mr. Watt, could you ask him to elaborate on what we perceive as, quote, our culture? Mm -hmm. Without going into detail, 
I think that this is where Mr. Watt diverges from the usual conspiratorial view. He believes that we have never really had a culture of our own. Mm -hmm. okay. yeah. So, uh, so uh, how do you speak to that, Alan? I, I think when you study the Greek uh, classics, the philosophers, and especially the writings of Plato, uh, where he talks about how culture is created uh, by the elite to the top, downwards. It doesn't come from the grassroots. Because anything from the grassroots developing could upset the whole balance of power structure. So uh, culture is always promoted from the top down. And uh, it was so bad in ancient Greece, in fact, that, that when traveling players came in uh, with theater shows and plays and dramas, uh, it was law that everybody had to attend because through the drama, uh, they would indoctrinate the viewers on the politically correct way to behave in society. So here's another case in your saying of entertainment being used to uh, mind off the populace. Yes, and back in the 1960s, uh, there was a Council on Foreign Relations and Royal Institute of International Affairs meeting held in England, where, and the big debate at the time, it went on for about a month, and it was in the newspapers, was... Uh, who should be uh, given the right to create the culture for the coming new world order uh, Britain with its British uh, MGM, MG Studios at London I think it was and um, or, or Hollywood and at the end of it they decided that, that America was, was best suited uh, with its setup in Hollywood to create a world culture and then uh, plus the addition it put the music out too which would influence the young so culture is, is a plastic thing. It's fluid in a sense. It can be shaped uh, in the direction that the, the elite, who always make a plan way ahead uh, of time, uh, they make it plastic so that they can shape us towards the, the next part of their agenda. And, and in fact, Plato said that um, we can change all of the moral values within a culture within one generation, and the last people to notice are those involved. And when you think back to the 60s, when um, in one year they're all wearing uh, skirts down to their knees, or below even, and then suddenly the miniskirt came in through, again, television and go-go dancing and music. Um, and you compare that, that generation to their mothers, then their mother to their grandmother, and there's, there's the skirt uh, at the ankles, then there's a skirt below the knee, and then there's a one-up around the, you know, where, so... Uh, that was all within one generation, really, that happened. Well, of course, we would chalk that up to being fashion, mm -hmm. bad, but it doesn't mm -hmm. make a difference what you call it or mm -hmm. which way it... Uh... Well, Plato said that, that to create culture and alter culture, you must have an, an entertainment, and he called it industry, uh, and you must have a fashion industry. This is 2,300 years ago, and you must have a music industry. So it's never changed. By the way, can you cite uh, from which work that came? Was that the Republic? That was in the Republic, yeah. That's an interesting... Mm -hmm. Interesting... interesting mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, well, then you're, then you're saying that culture is malleable, it's plastic. Mm -hmm. Then it is necessarily, though, isn't it all-encompassing as well? Absolutely. Uh, we are what we think, and what they give us what they think, and, uh, and we behave appropriately. Uh, it, it's very, it's not too difficult to manage people once you give them a particular type of culture. And of course, America was given extra heavy doses of religion, really, um, for a particular reason. Uh, 
The reason being that they would truly believe in their country because they were chosen to bring in the New World Order. Well, they wouldn't call it that, but... So what were, how did they perceive the New World Order at the time? They certainly wouldn't have coined it as such. What did they think? I mean, we, we mm-hmm. know they called it New World, etc., etc. Well, if you read the, the, the memoirs of Franklin and Jefferson, both of them said that this was the, the beginning of a world federation, not just a federation of United States of America, but it would, it would be it would lead to a world federation, which would eventually be led by twelve wise men. You know, we may have spoken about this a while ago, and if we have, I'm sorry. I, I don't know that you remember. I know that I don't. Mm-hmm. But in a way, the joke was on us in the United States in the sense of as much as many of us now get it and are resisting what we consider the NWO. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. In essence, the enemy, the enemy is, is us. In other words, yeah. this was an experiment in, in Federation and the New World Order. Definitely. Definitely. They, they needed a, a knight in shining armor that hadn't plundered the planet like as, as England had done or or France or Spain or whatever and so they created a, a, a new knight in shining armor that pretended to be indifferent uh, to the old ways and it would, uh, it would champion um, righteousness type of thing and of course in, in the early 1900s uh, they had many meetings in England to do with handing the torch over to the Americas as the, the, the army or police of the world and that's why Kipling wrote the poem uh, containing the lines, the, the white man's burden. We pass the torch on to you. And Kipling came over. He was a very high mason. And he came over and read that to the Senate. You know, I, as a kid, I, I read some of that stuff about him. And I said, man, this sounds racist. A little <clears throat> Sambo and all that stuff. Uh-huh. But nobody seemed to raise a big thing about it. So it's like, well, it must be my imagination. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that white burden statement also comes up with Rose and that whole uh, and Milner's kindergarten group, you know? That's right. It was all connected together, yeah. Well, and then, all right, a couple of things real quick, uh, and we'll go on to another question, but as derivatives of what this individual uh, asked you about culture, mm-hmm. um, was it a coincidence that we have 13 states and the district was made not a state so they could plop down the new obelisk? There's no coincidence at all. Is that in some kind of... Um, symbolistic reflection of uh, the story of uh, Isis and Osiris? Yeah, it's a symbol of regeneration. And, uh, of course, the story of, of uh, uh, Osiris being scattered into, there's actually 14 parts. But they never found the 14th, and right. so, so Isis conjured up an artificial one. So 13 still stands is the number of regeneration. Uh, rebirth. Uh-huh. Yeah. The 14th Territory, which was called a district, not a state, winds up with the obelisk. Exactly. Uh-huh. The, the magic creation, you see. Yeah. And of course, the the District of Columbia, Columbia in Latin, mean, means actually uh, the dove. Um, and, and the dove was always the symbol coming down with spirit from the heavens. Right. Uh, even from the days of ancient Egypt. So it's, uh, it's all highly symbolic. How do we uh, how do we look though at the fact that all right, uh, if um, the old world <coughs> excuse me was willing to um, let the new world spawn off and become the beginning of a new world order, mm-hmm. how do we look at, um, at Britain and the American Revolution? In other words, were they fighting? I've heard it said that that, that England wasn't all that pitched about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the reasons uh, were that perhaps um, there were too many crewmates on both sides who wanted to kill who. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm asking you now then. What do we make of the fact that Britain came over and, and well, 
No, but you know what you said is really true. I mean, we hear so much about wars being a John Wayne thing time and time again. No doubt it is. Mm-hmm. You know, there's killing, no doubt. But there are times when, when you know, you know, I heard it, Alan, from from uh, parents of of my my friends who were uh, once once in a while maybe uh, loosened up a little bit by drink. Mm-hmm. Talked about you know being in the trenches over in Europe and running into a German or something like that, looking at each other and going, we really don't have to do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it makes sense though, doesn't it? It does. Thank you. 
I explain what they are it's a language and this language is actually programming you because your subconscious understands it and you act on your subconscious motivation uh, before we came on I had a bit of an extensive exchange through Yahoo with a listener who ironically comes from an old, uh, my own hometown in, uh, in New Jersey mm-hmm. and I have to tell you it's rare for anybody in the New York metropolitan area to get it uh-huh. because when you're around the major cities I, I think you would agree you are so absolutely enveloped by mainstream everything that you'll never hear like that shortwave broadcast that I did that made me say is this guy nuts or should I check this out not you necessarily I mean but you know mm-hmm. at the time whom I heard yeah. that never would have happened in metropolitan areas mm-hmm. being out here in the Florida outback far yeah. enough away from Tampa I heard that mm-hmm. so when I hear somebody from, from inside the New York metropolitan area who gets it mm-hmm. I'm really amazed but what anyway we, what we exchanged about and we kind of like try to boil it down to the least common denominator or the lowest common denominator and that is Alan all the world is all about symbology and symbols isn't it yeah it is uh, it's a whole language and as I say your, your subconscious really does work in a, a, on language just as your conscious mind does and it, when symbols are strung together in a certain way and you're in a dreamy state people, most people sort of dream their way through the day you know um, you're being programmed with these symbols which will affect the way you behave in life. And it would be true also that, uh, would you agree that intelligent people, those who read and opinionate and take in information, mm-hmm. are probably most susceptible to being uh, manipulated? Definitely, especially if they have no idea uh, that information doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Right. Because <laughs> uh, many people truly believe that the media is there to do their thinking for them. And Zygmunt Brzezinski said they were bringing the public to that stage deliberately uh, where they will give over their ability to reason for themselves and expect the media to tell them everything that's important to them. Uh, do you remember an author uh, probably did most of his work back in the 60s by the name of Jacques Ellul? Oh, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, he wrote, he wrote propaganda, what, I guess in 64 or 5. Mm-hmm. I encountered it ten years later, you know, never thinking about what I do today. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that shocked me is when he said, oh, no, it's good, it's good for people to read because you've got to have them be able to take in information to propagandize them. That's right. Now, that seems like a duh now, but back then I was like, holy mackerel, that's right. Ignorant mm-hmm. people are probably harder to get to. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, he was very straightforward with the techniques and how it worked. Uh, and, and, and one last take on a little... Um, how about you? I really never knew what exactly he was all about. He seemed like a nominal Christian. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if you look back, can you give me your opinion on, uh, was he a good guy? Was he on our side? What do you think? I know that he was uh, consulted by governments, and I think even the United Nations consulted him on social psychology for mass social control. Well, that's not good. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that answers my question. But he certainly said that uh, in one of his books on law and the legal system, he said that the public are unaware in the Western Hemisphere, um, including America, that since 1953, every citizen has a personality profile uh, kept on them by uh, the police. And he said, he said at that time, of course, it was a Kardec system with punched holes, but they were updating uh, that in the 60s to computerize systems. What, what he said was, he says, these are very com- uh, complete personality profiles, and he said the public must never be allowed to know how this information...
been well in the works, hasn't it? It's been here forever, in fact. In fact, I, I think when they gave us the bell telephone, that was part of the structure right away. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Ah, okay, now moving on to uh, another person who enjoys listening to you. He's uh, written some a little bit more, I think, uh, complex. He said, can, uh, can Mr. Watt talk about, quote, esoterically commanded structure of society leading to a scientifically designed social system? Can you break that down for us, first of all? Yeah, and... Um, it's esoteric in a sense that there's a, a, a hidden uh, group of controllers behind it. There's no doubt about that. Um, and there's also a different strata of scientists, specialized scientists, working on social control at all levels uh, and consulted all the time by different departments of governments. Um, they brought in the big PR firms early in the 60s to start to, to market ideas to the public directly from government. Can you name some names? Uh, well, I know that the one that was set up in uh, Madison was one of the first ones back in the early 1920s that started this whole idea of how to manipulate the behavior of the public uh, for advertising purposes through the advertising themselves. And then the, the governments eventually used them to market Madison? ideas. Mm-hmm. Did you say Madison? I think it was Madison. Uh, Are you called Madison Avenue in Manhattan? Uh, yeah, I think the company was also called Madison. Oh. They're the first company way back, you know. All right, now, this also is somewhat, uh, I, I think, uh, akin to what you were talking to about uh, culture being plastic and manufactured. This is somewhat the same thing, isn't it? It, it is, absolutely. Uh, uh, when you have a, a long-term agenda um, and you're, you're, you've already got a culture created for one particular purpose, which is now over, you must change that culture to get into the next stage to, to, to accomplish that. So you, you always go towards the youth and you, you go to them and uh, bypass the parents. You teach it in school, the culture. You, you, you market it to them through the music, uh, through the writings and magazines for the youth. And you give them heroes to follow that are superstars. And it's, it's very easy for the youth then to go in a new direction. They think it's their own, always. But it's actually manipulated and planned by uh, very, very much older people themselves. All right. So we're looking at uh, back then that 24/7 TV mm-hmm. and radio mm-hmm. and videos and all forms of electronic entertainment that can be completely, you know, mm-hmm. 360 in anyone's life. Yeah. This is a good thing as far as the manipulators uh, wish because they can soak you all day long, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. Mm-hmm. So this whole thing about going 20, you know, I, I guess I'm really happy in a sense that I grew up in, in a way where the test pattern came on at midnight. Oh, yeah. And it didn't go off until like 8 o'clock and you had to watch some stupid show about like birds or something. Mm-hmm. And now it doesn't matter. These kids are like all oh, absolutely mm-hmm. inundated with this. Yeah. It's about from the time they can uh, get, they come out of the womb. Yes, and the fact that they, were, they had write-ups where they first brought satellite out, satellite television out. They had um, write-ups from the big corporations stating that through this they could get to anyone on the planet now and, and create a common youth culture again through music uh, especially and plays for the young or movies for the young so that even the Eskimo would have the same world culture broadcast to them as, as an Aboriginal in Australia and that's been, that's been done you can go from, from country to country to country and you'll see the baggy pants uh, you'll see the hat on backwards. 
uh, even in Japan, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to ask this right now. If we get some time at the end, I will. But going back to um, the statement that the uh, listener wrote, if I look at esoterically commanded structure of society, can we uh, is that equivalent to the elite? Uh, only, I, I give you an example. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Don Scott, who's who's written a lot of uh, material. He's had world meetings with top class scientists and virologists and bacteriologists about the uh, the new release plagues, etc. That we've had in the last few years. Um, he's from Sudbury in Ontario, and I talked to him the other day, and he said that. He had been bashing and bashing at the government for a few years over this, the spraying we're getting from the skies, and he got his he got his MP, his federal MP, uh, to go to Ottawa, the Parliament, and demand answers from the the, the, the uh, Ministry of Defence as to why the spraying's going on, and and the Ministry of Defence said they did not have to answer her. Now necessarily a disavowal, was it? That's correct. But it also shows you that uh, we're, because she was oblivious to this new set of rules, uh, MPs are supposed to be representing the public. And, and here she's finding there's another structure that, that, that she isn't even allowed to get into. Above that. You know, that name is only familiar, and I don't, I'm not going to blow smoke, and that is, I believe there was some email information that was, was kind of voluminous back a couple of years ago that I think might have been attributed to Scott, and then it, it stopped happening. Mm-hmm. I'm just racking my brain here trying to remember that that name is familiar, and I want to say that I uh, uh, you know, encountered it, but somewhere along the line it stopped. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense at all? I don't know. Um, I know he was in a few shows. He, he wrote a couple of books. Has he been silenced at all otherwise? Uh, n- no, he's pretty elderly. I mean, he's, he's not in the best of health. for the public. 
hear about. But it's always available. They want to vastly reduce the numbers of population. And uh, to be honest, I think they've been doing it. Uh, I don't think they're, they're always waiting for them to do a big thing at once. But they don't work that way. They do a little bit at a time, the Fabian way. And um, there's no doubt from the, from the 1950s onwards, uh, the inoculations have almost destroyed so many people's um, ability to fight off any infection. These, these inoculations destroyed our immune systems uh-huh. and, and made us susceptible to, to coming down and dying with, with things which shouldn't kill us. This was deliberate. So when they talked about this back in the 1920s in the League of Nations, they meant it. And even thought then that they could do this through inoculations, mass inoculation programs. The chronic fatigue syndromes, uh, the early arthritis now that's coming out, uh, rheumatoid arthritis in, in people in their early 20s and even below 20s. Um, these are autoimmune problems. Um, uh, the Epstein-Barr virus, same thing. Uh, these make people ineligible as good marriage partners because they, they're, they're too sick and weak. No one, no one wants them. That's how they decided to bring down the West, to, to do it gradually. But for Africa, they decided that uh, who's going to stand up for Africa, we can bring them down quickly. And that's been done, as we can see. Well, didn't they introduce AIDS there by way of supposedly injecting them with anti... Uh, yes. With uh, uh, vaccines against uh, hepatitis B, I believe? Uh, yeah, and, and smallpox. And HIV? And, uh, but it, yeah, it did definitely. The, 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 the trail of, of the infection follows the exact route uh, from Haiti. They actually went to Haiti first uh, with, with that inoculation program, then to Africa. And you can follow the trail as they left behind them. Uh, there's no doubt this was deliberate, yeah. Um, most of the listeners are anti vaccinationists as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever read Eleanor McBean's The Poison Needle? No. Uh, that's online. That's very interesting also. Mm-hmm. And she recounts that one as well, that uh, she lived through the uh, 1918 flu, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And she said the only people that got sick were, got, were the ones that got vaccinated. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and she and her family did not get vaccinated, mm-hmm. and they were actually ministering to people in their hometown yeah. who had fallen, and none of them got it. Yes, and when you go back into the... I mean, Britain has records of mandatory vaccinations beginning in the 1800s, against diphtheria and then smallpox and the, the records of their deaths uh, to those who were, were vaccinated are identical <laughs> to the number who got vaccinated right. uh, so this was obviously put in place uh, uh, deliberately and uh, we, we know that um, Britain definitely uh, was into this in the 1700s because Thomas Malthus came out with his essay on population and how to uh, kill off the weak people or the useless eaters or the excess population which they didn't need uh, after because uh, they knew eventually that they would be post-industrial and they wanted to have a method to kill them off once their job was over. All right, now having said that, um, looking at, would, I, would you think uh, that what we're headed for uh, and, and what to look for is a collective society where the individual means nothing but the group means all? That's what they've told for the public. But, but in Charlton, uh, Galton, Charles, um, Charles Galton Darwin's book, The Next Million Years, and he was a, a physicist, this guy, a uh, descendant of Charles Darwin. And in the 1950s, I think 56, he published that book. Uh, he, he went through the need to cull off the excess population and find ways of sterilizing the 
the remainder um, and also ways of manipulating the brain itself chemically uh, so that they couldn't think independently of each other uh, the collective you might say uh, we can jump from there to Arthur Kessler or Kessler's book um, he's the same guy that did the 13th tribe he wrote The Ghost in the Machine uh, while he worked for the United Nations and The Ghost in the Machine he worked in think tanks uh, whose job it was to find ways to lobotomize that part of the brain which uh, has your personal survival uh, capabilities built into it and it gives you a, the sense of who you are as an individual and they were trying ways of chemically attacking the brain through, through uh, chemicals, vaccines that would carry bacterium there, viruses and so on. And he said they were successful in doing it in the trials so they were using people for trials, and he, and um, he said the public won't need their their personal defence capabilities because uh, the government will be making all their decisions for them anyway. All right. So when you talk about chemical lobotomization, I think, yeah. could this also take the form of of, of getting the same effect mm -hmm. uh, through uh, radiation, uh, through yeah? There's there's, there's so many ways to do it, and. And when you realize that the brain uptakes different chemicals, sometimes um, even even certain metals will, will gravitate to certain parts of the brain uh, where they're utilized or they'll, they'll carry something with them. You, you can actually target those, those primary areas you're after very, very easily and uh, destroy the cells around them. And that's what they said they wanted to do. He, he wrote about it. And uh, he said, all we have to do now is decide whether to inoculate the people with it put it in their drinking water, or, or spray it on them. And I, I thought, well, they're doing it all. That's right. That's but what, what he also said, Charles Galton Darwin, was funny, he, he, in this sense. He said, he says, we the elite must not alter ourselves. He says, because we must retain our abilities for, for self-preservation, because we shall be leading the earth and steering the future. Uh -huh. Well, I mean, I, I have to tell you, I heard you when you were on a Ghost to Ghost with Nore, uh -huh. talking about the longevity of some of these elites, uh, mm -hmm. to include Rockefellers and Kissinger and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he might be using uh, contacts, although it doesn't seem anybody else's age is doing it, but when I looked at Rockefeller, mm -hmm. when he was giving speeches in the late uh, 90s, yeah. I'm like, this cat's not even, you know, he's not even mm -hmm. Winston. That's right. <laughs> no uh -huh. glasses, this guy's just reeling it right off. Mm. And uh, and you and you made a actually it was a very comical anecdote about Kissinger hopping out of a car, was it? That's right, that's right. <laughs> and he ran up the steps. And of course, these people aren't getting uh, if they should ever have cancer or anything like that. They're certainly not getting chemo or radiation or anything like that. Or no, anything. they're not. No, no. Um, well, uh, moving along, uh, you, you want to build another question? Yeah. Okay. Says um, okay. This individual wants to know um, you could check with him to see why the spin, mind control, hypno TV, etc., is not working on us. And us, I would say, those who get it, mm -hmm. who get it. Mm -hmm. So, well, how come people like the, the listener and, and myself and all those who do shows and all those who listen, mm -hmm. uh, how did we uh, stay free so far from this uh, manipulation? Well, I, I wondered a lot about that, and, and what I found. Uh, just talking to so many people were, was, was, was people who tended to be more aware of what was going on um, often had allergies 
and uh, they'd often again have problems with either bronchial problems or they'd have uh, stomach problems intestinal problems and what you'll find with some people because of their physiology if you were to inoculate them with a particular substance that was to target the brain uh, because of their physiological differences they'll actually pull those particular viruses or bacterium to another organ and I, that's one possibility that's happened in a lot of cases so the brain didn't get affected the same way now, every baby who gets inoculated um, uh, about the age of one and a half or two uh, it goes home with, with the doctor saying don't worry they'll have a fever for two or three days then they'll be fine and the fever is concentrated generally in the head now when you have fever and, and heat in the head inflammation you have inflammation in the brain and cells are dying off and this is happening every day and mums are told this is normal right. and uh, I think that's part of the whole process I, I really have gone that far that I really think that's part of the whole process they didn't just write about it and fr from mouth to onwards they've been actually doing it uh, I've got some more questions and uh, that's why I'm a little halting here but I want to continue with the individual who did uh, pose a, uh, a number of questions uh, and let me ask you this, though, Alan. Were you, uh, were you vaccinated as a kid? I had some, but, but um, in fact, I did actually come down after the age of two, after inoculations with uh, asthma that lasted a few years, and then allergies, for sure, uh, on and off. And um, uh, But intellectual-wise, I sort of soared through school without any problems. But I, 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 uh, I don't know how the parents they were when we were growing up. Uh -huh, yeah. uh, I'm sure they weren't good. I, I just don't know. I'm sure they got worse as time went on. Mm -hmm. uh, it became a real mainline source of uh, yeah. planning things that mm -hmm. necessarily come to fruition later on, if you know what I mean. Well, a good example of that, I think, uh, is the sterilization of the male. Um, every year, and about now, in fact, the UN will be giving us their annual update on the sperm count in the Western male. Mm -hmm. And last year, uh, uh, they said that the Western male since 1950, uh, or 52, had, had dropped uh, by 75% of, of the live active sperm of the male of 1950. So, so we're, we're only um, about 25% fertile now. And they never give a reason for this and yet every year they give us the, the data on it, the quotes, the statistics. And it really it should be a crisis situation. But the reason it's not a crisis situation is because it's planned that way. <laughs> well, uh, we all know it's from wearing two tight jockeys. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Warming up the old testicle. Uh -huh. yeah. Unfortunately, there are some other cultures who uh, aren't getting the message and are proliferating quite well, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, uh, <laughs> speak that as it may, and also, Corky, I got your email.
um, and I looked up and I saw what I thought was a Northern Lights start up and for 25 minutes we watched a form, a figure form, uh, which doesn't happen with the Northern Lights. It all came to one point and you could swear they, were, they had wings. And I, I thought this is incredible, uh, that's some kind of holography or science going on here using the ionosphere. And uh, two or three nights later, a man from Ontario phoned in the Arts Bell Show. Now, Art Bell's had uh, nights when he's had different people claiming to be Satan on. Yep. Um, he's had a hole in the ground where, where the voices of hell shot up from. That's right. But this guy phoned in and he said, I saw a figure appear in the sky that I thought was the Northern Lights. And Art Bell immediately cut him off and said, this is crazy. I thought, well, why, why didn't you allow him to say what... Because there's no crazier than anything else that was said on that show. Well, of course. And, and of course, they don't want us to know that they, they can experiment and do this with the ionosphere and with the harp technology coupled to satellites. They can they can make anything appear in the sky. Yeah. Well, you know, our bell to me is a government plant. I'm sorry, so is Nori. That shows they mm-hmm. to, to go with the with the bottom line. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to ask you about how comfortable you were there, but uh, I'm going to take it that yeah, you you get it too. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole. See, I know that the, the, what you do, an intelligence gatherers gather the intelligence that the public are finding out about and discussing. Counterintelligence takes that, gives you superheroes to follow, who are shot to the top. Everybody gets to know their names. They say all the right things that are being said at the bottom. They say the intelligence, but then they add to it aliens or reptilian people and spin it off into ineffectiveness. And that's how you counter intelligence. You know, uh, I, I wanted to listen to, uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time with this, but I, I listened to that show one night after they had a 9-11 researcher on, and I, I just got it wrong. I got on the, the next night. I, mm-hmm. I didn't hear the researcher. Mm-hmm. But I heard these poor simps that came on, and they really did believe there was something to it, as well they should, uh-huh. but, but they go to the author of Nore or Bell, uh-huh. and they kind of ask questions where they want to be told, you know, it really doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And so they'll talk about, well, isn't it crazy, George, that a, that a plane didn't go into the Pentagon? And he goes, yeah, well, you know. Mm-hmm. And then they go off to a shadow road into flying rod. Yes. And I'm like, dude, uh-huh. <laughs> what are we talking about here? You'll look at what is real, mm-hmm. and you'll supplant it with the unreal. Yes. Ah. But when you mix fact with fantasy, everything becomes unreal. And, and it's diffused then. It's, it's, it's safe, it's harmless then, because it's just too confusing. Well, uh-huh. of course. And, uh-huh. But, you know, we all know the children's fairy tale, which I went, wrote that, about the emperor's new clothes. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, there weren't any, but they were told they were. Mm-hmm. And then I look at 9-11 with, with the Pentagon uh-huh. and Shanksville, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and so why do you replace what's real and tangible with what you're being told? Yes. You know, yeah. and somebody uh, messaged me and said, you know, and I said, I understand. You know, good people don't think that, that the government would do this or the mm-hmm. time has come where we've been turned on, and I understand that. Mm-hmm. But in the face of, of, of asking questions and having people think, don't get upset, you know, if you're being, well, like, like Plato said, if you're being pulled out of the cave to look at mm-hmm. that which really is. Yes. Which, by the way, is kind of interesting you wrote that, because he doesn't seem like anybody who will want to pull anybody out of a cave. Yeah, he, he was actually explaining how the public are. They're kept in a... They're given a version of reality is indoctrinated into them, 
And even if someone were to find out the truth and go back into the cave and say, you know, there's a real world out there, uh, they wouldn't believe him. Yep. And so he was he was showing the, the, the techniques of mind control on society. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, yeah. and it's painful to show people the way things really are. And, uh-huh. it, you know, and actually, it can cost you your life. Absolutely. There's, there's no doubt about that whatsoever. Well, uh, I'm going to get to... Uh, uh, Corky's question here, and I'll go back to the original emailer uh, with uh, two more. Uh, does, does Mr. Watt have any comments? And I have nothing about this, so it's all on you. Not that you need me. Uh, Rene, uh, about Rene Guenon and other traditionals, uh, traditionalists, that would be Shuan, uh, Ebola, etc. Uh, any take on that? Uh, on Ebola? Um, Ebola, no, mm-hmm. these are individuals. Ebola, Shuan uh, oh, yeah. and Rene mm-hmm. Guenon. Does that ring a bell at all? It does. Um, but most of these characters in history at that period of time were all, once again, Freemasons. Um, we're well versed in the psychology of humanity and all put out there for, for to give certain views so that pub- the public would follow them along a certain path. Again, part of culture creation, really, mm-hmm. you know. And, and uh, because that's what they give us, most of the public will always follow someone they perceive as being more intelligent and a leader who says the things they want to hear. Um, unfortunately, we never question any other motive behind it and generally uh, get laid up the garden path. So uh, I can't really go any further with their particular agendas, you know. All right. Uh, I, I'm completely ignorant of this. Um, I don't think it's not unusual, but uh, do we have a time frame for these individuals, more or less? Um, I, th- I think they're talking more in the 1800s, aren't they? Mm-hmm. You got me. I, like I said, this is, you know, mm-hmm. it's out of my purview, uh, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Yeah. All right, well, it's something I'll definitely look into. And so, Corky, thanks very much for passing that along. It wasn't mm-hmm. satisfactory. Yeah. I apologize, but that's okay. Uh, moving along, uh, going back to that original email, and it's going to get good here, and that is, uh, what is going on uh, with <laughs> Denver International Airport, which uh-huh. is really truly named New World Airport? With the murals that are around everybody, though, if you see them. Uh, your take on that, Alan? Yeah, they put so much into that. Uh, the, the building alone, never mind all of the architecture and paintings and frescoes. And, of course, they have all their occultic, Masonic uh, symbology in the, the paintings, right down to the children all following the, the leader, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's possible that it's, it's there because there's going to be a new capital of the Americas somewhere, you know, one day. Well, you know, we did talk about that, and uh, obviously they badly want to um, create an American Union uh, as expensive, mm-hmm. perhaps, as the 34 countries in the Western Hemisphere. Uh-huh. Obviously, I don't know, have you read uh, that white paper, uh, re- uh, Building a North American Community? Uh, yeah, but, but I know that in the free trade negotiations in the late 80s, um, they had discussed... Uh, actually setting up a new parliament for the Americas, a new, a new capital for the Americas, um, like the Brussels of the Americas, and it would be in Montreal that they're going to build it. That's what they'd chosen. Uh-huh. Well, that'll be interesting. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the reason I thought Denver, well, something's going on in Denver. There's no two ways. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you subscribe also to the fact that as Orwell tipped us off about, you know, logos 60 years ago, that um, boring machines were available and they've probably been at work for quite some time. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you want to posit uh, uh, a yeah. thought about why 
what they're doing and why they're doing it? Um, there are connections between some major cities underground. There's no doubt about that. These boring machines even have been in the popular science magazine at times. And the RAND Corporation are the ones who own these machines. They've never really been fully explained to the public um, as to how they can operate. And the obvious questions are never asked by the, the reporters on them. Because it's really... See, there are three levels of, of reality at work at all times. One for the public, and that's from professorship down. It doesn't matter what you're a professor of, you're getting low-level reality. And there's another one above that, separate again, and, and another one above that. Uh, it's like Nick Bigage showing us the mind control machines that the CIA had, which were about the size of a TV uh, handheld converter, uh, that are now obsolete, and they were used back in the 1950s. And they were solid state before the transistor came out. So, um, so yeah, with these boring machines, they, they, they claim they can go through any kind of rock and go 24 hours at a time and keep going um, at, at at least 5 miles per hour, regardless of the density of the rock. They melt the rock around it, and then it petrifies behind, forming almost like a, a concrete casing in the tunnel. Now, what kind of metal alloy do we have knowledge of that can withhold, uh, can stand that kind of heat? Mm -hmm. Because it's beyond what we're given, you see. And, of course, it's the same kind of, of metals that they use with their experimental flying saucers from, night, from Area 51. The same uh, incredible alloys that the public will never, ever hear about. It's all made here on Earth. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tease myself and leave this for uh, an entree into... Uh uh, Thursday on the, uh, the 25th, that would be, mm -hmm. that would be, uh, with what I want to say next, but I don't want to do it in the last couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. I would like to continue, though, and, and somebody asked me once, uh, in fact, earlier today, um, how I ever, you know, understood that something went bump in the night, mm -hmm. and they said, was it 9-11? I said, no, nah, I was long before that, uh, you know, around 2000. Mm -hmm. but, but talking about what's out there and available, uh, and you and I had talked also about uh, Orwell's that section in Orwell's book where, I mean, he just jam-packs it with pretty much the way things are or the shape of things to come. Mm -hmm. And what I did was I had done a graduate project, and this is what opened my eyes, the fact that so many science fiction writers didn't seem to be writing science fiction. Because mm -hmm. whatever they said came through, were they that prescient? I don't think so. Uh, it was nice. It's well documented if you go into the, the, the foundations are so important in all of this because it was through the so-called philanthropic uh, foundations that they said they would steer the world and uh, the Rothschilds of England set up uh, a huge fund for novelists and, and uh, writers of plays for the stage um, to, to actually incorporate certain lines along the stories to do with uh, space travel, uh, early science fiction, that kind of thing they paid them to do that, these funds still stand by the way and uh, what is, it's called it's part of predictive programming. Mm -hmm. So what they do is they give you an idea through fiction when your guard is down. You're not censoring it or really critically thinking about anything. Uh, you're being entertained. And what's really happening is you're being downloaded with an idea of a pos or a possibility. And, and so when the thing comes along, uh, rather than say, wait a minute, why are they spending billions of dollars to, to, to go out into space? But, uh, uh, we think is part of a natural progression. 
because we've already been familiarized with it in a, in a fictional way. And the, the big early science fiction writers who came out um, were all funded by these groups. They called them futurist societies. And, and the novelists who are willing to take the money attend these futurist societies. And then spokesmen will come out from the big boys who fund them and offer the grants uh, as long as they go along uh, and incorporate certain things in their stories. That's another thing we'll, we'll do in this, uh, the next time around. That's all about the foundations. You're absolutely right. Now, I'm going to end with this. Did you ever watch The X-Files? I think I only saw one. Uh -huh. Well, I realize now, looking back across the times that uh, my wife and I watched it, and I watched it before I knew that things were really happening. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I thought they did was, and remember, this is a Murdoch station. Mm -hmm. And uh, Chris Carter already admits that he had dealings with the CIA and such. But one of the things I thought was stupid about the X-Files is that their characters would exude black oil from their orifices and eye, and eye holes. Uh -huh. Well, have you heard about this Morgellon disease? Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So, and here's a quote. Sometimes little black, black specks come out of a lesion. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And now I'm starting to wonder. It also happens with Ebola and with the Spanish flu. Those were symptoms of the Spanish flu. Uh, where you, you would actually have a very dark congealed blood start to come out of the eyelids right. and the nostrils and so on. Yeah. Well, you can understand why I'm thinking that we've been pro we've been programmed or at least prepared mm -hmm. for the black oil that can pop out of our uh, body, so to speak. Yes. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, so anyway, we'll get into.